Okay, don't freak out. My name is Miles Morales, and I'm Spider-Man. Greetings, true believers. This is Brian thanking you for downloading episode 32 of Ultimate Spin. You're listening to the world's one and only Spider-Man podcast specifically for fans of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. Coming up in this episode, we check in on a very special lunch issue for our hero and his pal as Miles and Genki's friendship faces a new test in addition to dodging goal balls and guided missiles in Spider-Man number four. Unfortunately, Kyle isn't with us this week, but I will be here as the token British host. My name is Jack, and as always, remember to swing by ultimatespinpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the podcast, find our show notes, stream and download our older episodes, and connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Our show is by fans and for fans, meaning that we'd love to hear from you and what you think of the series so far. Don't be shy, drop us a line, and join in the conversation. All right, so Spider-Man number four. Yeah, I, I believe it is your turn, oh master of recaps. <laughs> so... so if you're just joining us with this episode jack is referring to our show format where rather than just kind of go through the book in terms of the plot page by page i will just give you a quick recap as to what went on and then we'll get into our our take on it so yeah let's kick it off yes spider-man 4 a tale of lunch and friendship miles and ganky argue about the merits of having gold balls as a friend revealing hidden resentments about being judged on their respective appearances. Genki's enthusiasm gets the better of him as he reveals Miles' secret identity to the ex-X-Man. Miles heads out as Spider-Man and is immediately attacked by guided missiles. He's knocked unconscious and captured by Hammerhead, who's all set to deliver him to the Black Cat. You are, you are the best at that time. <laughs> for, for those of you joining us for the first time, Kyle and I have had a pretty spotty history of... Uh, getting that within the 30 seconds and oh, getting a nice, know. like, succinct uh, little recap. But Brian just nails it every time. Ever the professional. I have a future in writing uh, solicits or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah, who does write solicits, by the way? I don't know. It, is, I, think, I is, think the writers do. They just throw a couple lines out there. Right, yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Before the, um, before the issue's even finished, I think. So So let's get into it. Yeah. And you, me- you mentioned gold balls and the big reveal from Kanki. Um, as much as I love Genki, that is a bit of a not cool move for your best friend to do. <laughs> I know he gets excited and stuff, but in in the kind of era, a lot of people are talking about Civil War at the moment, um, thanks to the recent film featuring another Spider-Man, where we are not to mention on this podcast, mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one we don't talk about. Um, but yeah, in, with Civil War, the comic book, you know, in 2006, we had the... Um, pro-registration, anti-registration for secret identities. And it's nice to see, you know, secret identities be a thing again because we, we I feel like so many people are getting used to cinematic universes, both for Marvel and DC and things like that, where they're not so much a big deal. You know, Tony Stark comes out at the end of <clears throat> Iron Man and says, truth is, I am Iron Man. Everyone knows Steve Rogers is Captain America and all that sort of stuff, but basically no one knows that Miles Morales is Spider-Man. And I love that. And we've had little hints of it, like we mentioned before, with the uh, the torn costume. They realized he's not white, which is an interesting little twist. But now we get essentially like the first reveal to a stranger that he is Spider-Man. And it, it was an interesting way of doing it, because I feel like this could have happened so many other times from Genki, <laughs> but he's just fanboying out with... Uh, Fabio, aka Gold Balls. Yeah, you're right. It just it comes out of nowhere, and you, my immediate reaction was like, "Genki, you 
clown? Like, come, exactly. what are you doing? <laughs> but, um, but then kind of looking at it a little bit more closely, like their whole history, it's just been the two of them as friends. Yeah. And I don't know why, because they're, they're just kind of odd and goofy, but I would hardly say they're like weird or antisocial or creepy guys. So I don't know why they never had other real friends in their circle. I mean, it looked like for a while judge kind of hovered on the, on the perimeter there, but he never, you know, became part of the group. And I think a lot of that was just, they were trying to hide the whole Spider-Man thing from him. And then Katie just showed up. So she was never really a character as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. So for Genki, he, yeah, he's fanboying out about, uh, Fabio. I just, I, Saying goal ball so many times. It's just, just, just have to say goal ball. I have that's to the, say that's the rule. We should we should make it a rule on this podcast <laughs> that we will not refer to him by anything other than his X Man code name. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Ganky is geeking out over goal balls and just <laughs> so anxious to to be his friend. And I think it comes through in the in the dialogue here. It's. I don't want to, I don't know if he's jealous, but he's definitely feeling maybe a little left out because now Miles has all the people in the Avengers. He's got this other group that he can sort of socialize with and Genki is still kind of on his own. And that leads to that, that conversation where they're kind of talking about why they're outsiders or why they feel like outsiders. And there's some great dialogue there as Miles is talking about what it's like being a minority, you know, and being a being a black person and feeling like he's being judged just based on his appearance, talking about, you know, he's just a kid and people are walking, switching the side of the street they're walking on. Mm. That's really, a, that's huge. They've never done that in this book, anything about race. This current run so far has been really seeding that. So that's just a big thing to just kind of throw out there. And then for Genki, he's got issues about his his weight. And he just puts that out there. And for him, goal balls is uh, kind of like the intersection of that. He's also a heavier guy, um, but he also is, you've got your Avengers friends, but he's a superhero too. So this is perfect. He's the perfect new friend for us. And almost a way to kind of bring them back a little bit closer together. That's that's how it read to me. I think just his enthusiasm got away from him. I mean, I, I guess just the basic idea of that, you know, kind of your friend circle changing. I mean, that's such a high school thing. I mean, I think we've all gone through some version of that. People grow up and they grow apart and you start moving around a little bit. And that's, that's not always easy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I, I was thinking back to uh, a, a co-host on the other podcast. Um, I host the intercomics podcast. Dan has been rereading the first appearance of miles. So that, that, that original first volume of ultimate Spider-Man with miles in it. And he was talking about the relationship how quickly that relationship builds up between Ganky and Miles because they are outsiders, and that I, I, the continuity between the two series is is flaky at best. But but the same kind of rules apply with those two characters. Like you said, they are so um, kind of central. They have been just the two of them for so long, and for no sort of obvious reasons so maybe there is kind of that bond through both being minorities and both feeling kind of outside miles says like he it's almost like they're playing sort of um outsider top trumps almost like i to, love that that was so trying to, great trying to best the other one like well i'm black and hispanic i'm, like, and well, I'm hispanic. asian and overweight so like <laughs> um 
and it's interesting that we're getting that kind of exploration of race not just from miles now and because we had that earlier on with the little youtuber um few panels in a previous issue where they call him the black spider-man he's like i don't want to be called the black spider-man i'm half hispanic that's that's right. not fair they shouldn't just assume i'm african-american just because of the color of my skin or the way i act or anything like that and then you get the look t- towards race and, and being a young person in this world from Ganky as well and i really like the fact that not only are they addressing race they're also addressing body image issues as well um, which is something that is not tackled in comics very often. If anybody has any idea about the history of comics, you'll be fairly well aware of how women have been treated over the years, um, throughout the basically since the 40s and the 60s, since the two big companies came along. There's not been a great representation of other body shapes and and talking about body image and and that kind of thing. So it's really interesting to see them tackle race and body image in one conversation together. You know, th- there's no real sort of ending to that conversation if you will um you can't really just say yep race is is this and body image is that and that's the end of the discussion but the fact that they're talking about it and the fact that this series has brought on new readers and younger readers i think is really important and it will hopefully help a lot of younger people discuss those issues like you won't just make fun of the overweight kid in class or make fun of the guy with different skin color in class whatever you actually say, oh yeah, I read in Spider-Man the other day that it can be really tough for you. Uh, Ganky was struggling with his body image. Like, how do you feel about that? And hopefully this this and Ms. Marvel are two books that I really hope will be kind of spurring up conversation in the younger generation. Uh, fingers crossed, because yeah. I have so much hope for those two books. Fingers crossed, indeed. I And yeah, I, I think that's, that's really great to call out Ganky's body image issues and him opening up about that, because I found that really poignant because the series to date, he's always been such an upbeat mm. guy. And, yeah. you know, there is like a very quick throwaway line early on that he had lost his dad and, you know, at a young age, obviously. And so Miles was there for him. That was, as far as we knew, the one tough thing in his life. And so now for him to just kind of open up and say, yeah, and I just, this is how I feel. And that was a very humanizing moment. And that's what I'm, I'm really enjoying about the series so far. It seems to be doing a course correction for a lot of stuff that kind of got lost along the way in between major events and switching up volumes and things moving around. Like to open the issue in a high school cafeteria and stay there for a while. That's like, that's exactly the, the kind of stuff that many of us loved in the original Ultimate Spider-Man run these are the moments so if the for me it's like if the story is moving slower but you get stuff like this i'm i'm okay with it absolutely um the fact that we can't really kind of touched on this entire issue is almost set in one room which is a difficult thing for a lot of comics and and a lot of just you know entertainment in general to tackle is a very small scale personal discussion between two characters the the classic kind of idiom from so many writers that um if you don't know what to do with your character next just send them out to to buy a coffee see how they react but put them in a room with someone sit down and and just let them talk and that will help you get to know your characters better and i think uh Pacelli and bendis know miles so well by now they've, they've been working with him for so many years that giving us this extra little insight into this kind of the the new miles if you will really helps the readers connect to him in a different way as well and this feels like the most kind of brian michael bendis 
driven issue so far with in in terms of dialogue because he's the the main criticism for him as a writer has been that he gets very word heavy and you'll get a panel with like seven or eight different balloons interconnecting and just have two people talking to each other face to face for half an issue and stuff like that and he does do that that it's not a unwarranted criticism but when you get interesting conversations like this and brilliant character moments who cares I, I don't care if he's swinging around being up bad guys or if he's sitting around having a genuine chat with Genki. Like Genki is one of the highlights of the the Miles like series to me because he's such a cool, funny, interesting character. And the fact that they have that bond makes it so kind of special when you get these little character moments like this. So I really, really enjoyed their little moment. But I can see how kind of action-hungry fans won't be so positive on this issue. That's it. There is uh, an action sequence in the second part of this issue. But before we get to that, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Sarah Kelly. I do have to give a lot of credit to her and Justin Ponser on Colors for taking a potentially boring scene, a conversation, and just really making it work. I think what she did with the different close-ups and their expressions, just the pacing of the, the dialogue, the way she approached it, was really fantastic. I, I think the acting was just incredible. Um, even, and just little details like Miles is talking and then in the next Miles panel, he's holding up a fork. Like he's, you get that sense of motion. Like they're eating. They're, they're having this conversation and there is a sense of motion. Um, not action packed Spider-Man motion, but it's such a subtle thing. Um, just moving the food around or, you know, moving their hands. Um, I was really, hooked into the moment it played so well with the pacing of the dialogue um they were really and everyone was really in sync in this issue absolutely um i think more than anything it's the strip from the eyes to the eyebrows that whole kind of brow section and you obviously get the the fairly blatant shots of miles being like shut up ganky shut <laughs> up and just and just glaring at him and that was, that's fantastic but you also get miles sighing with his eyebrows and and Genki, as I've discussed before, is my top pick for best eyebrows in comics. <laughs> his are powerful and expressive and he has like a uh like a whatever dude kind of look on his face and it's just from his eyebrows. It's I don't know how you convey so many different emotions and different stances <laughs> on things just from two pieces of hair above your eyes, but it, it's amazing and his puppy, his puppy dog eyes that he does to miles <laughs> so so good the, the the expressions that sarah pacelli manages to get from this these just like panel to panel after panel of just those two going back and forth she is what makes it interesting and compelling and 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 like i said you can make that criticism with brian michael bendis but when he's working with artists like sarah then i, I, I could read this all day it's yeah. so it's so good so good and so interesting to look at and you could literally have the classic like typical person with open mouth talking to another person with an open mouth over and over and over again and it would still work the the dialogue itself is interesting enough but it is ponza and pacelli that really really bring that emotion and the the real kind of you get a real sense of their different personalities just from their expressions, which I absolutely, you could almost have some dialogue, pa- dialogue free pages in this issue and it would still work. I really, really enjoyed Fabio Goldballs, his um, expressions as well. He's trying to like work out what is up with these guys, but he also instantly gets that kind of 
he he warms up to them very very quickly, which I think says a lot about how great their relationship is and how interesting they are as characters. Where you get this other character who's just like, yeah, I'll live with you guys. You seem like a weird, interesting duo. Even even if you are Spider Man, if you are Spider Man, I'm still not convinced. But like, yeah, I, I love the fact that we're just gonna get gold balls even more involved just from that as he as he said kind of very couply fight that they had <laughs> he's like are you guys a couple I'm like no we're not a couple we're just we're just really good friends right. <laughs> which is such a typical teenager conversation to have where you, you know there's kind of that you're exploring you know building up new friendships and meeting new people and also the topic of sexuality i mean we've had miles kind of interact with a couple of girls here and there throughout the series and Genki mentions you're so in love with Miss Marvel (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was hilarious and we're at that stage where we're probably going to start to see girlfriends for these two soon and the fact that people are like you you would assume that it's not just Goldballs that assumes that they're probably gay with each other. Like he, <laughs> they probably sat there like, are they are they, go, are they go more than friends? Right. Like, who knows? Maybe they are. We just see the two of them together all the time. I wonder. Uh, One of a number of regrets I have about uh, losing the Ultimate Universe is Ultimate Gwen gave Genki a huge kiss. I don't know if you remember at uh, yeah, Peter's. and he. He lit. Speaking of expressions, yeah. his face after that kiss. Was Everyone's crazy. expressions after that kiss, <laughs> and that is just lost to the imagination. But who knows what's in store? But in the meantime, Miles is really annoyed, and so he goes to I guess blow off some steam and go out on patrol with Spider Man, and then things take a weird turn. Yeah, I'm. I'm fascinated that we're just getting Hammerhead as like the main villain at the moment. <laughs> Obviously, we are building up to to Black Cat as was hinted in a previous issue. But Hammerhead actually looked like beat a Spider-Man at something. He's always kind of like the bumbling henchman kind of character. That's how I always see him, you know, from the animated series and stuff like that. He's physically imposing, but he's not intelligent. He's not going to be kind of commanding an army behind him. He's a mob boss, but he's like, you know, he's he's a like a BC list villain. And he actually basically beats Miles pretty quickly at the end of this issue and for me hammerhead is always going to be part of the uh superior foes canon uh, which i don't know if you've read superior foes of spider-man yet once again i have not read it oh but but i i may be buying it later on today oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go to my local shop today um and and pick up um some books i've missed and things like that and i am hoping I've ordered it in. I'm just waiting for it to arrive. So uh, I'm yeah. very, very excited. And hopefully I'm going to be doing an episode of the Intercomics podcast all about that book coming up soon as well. And we may have to have you on as a guest, Brian. Oh, please. Yeah, I, I will find a way to make that work because I would love <laughs> to talk about that with you guys. But Absolutely. Um, you are going to love Superior Foes. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but, um, but back to this book, I thought having a, a missile attack of all things was – what the book needed, because I think between the first half of this issue and then the last one, it's been very dialogue heavy. You know, no, there hasn't been any action for a while. And uh, we needed to to switch the gears up a little bit. That said, um, there, there ended up being quite a bit of dialogue as Miles is doing this kind of internal glimpse into his uh, thought process. And for me, it was it was pretty funny because it was 
like this combination of, you know, how do I keep people safe and how do I stop the missiles? And I can't believe he told Goldballs that I'm Spider-Man. So just <laughs> like, I am going to murder him. Yeah, I'm going to kill that guy. Right. <laughs> if, if it was Captain America, fine. Like if it's one of the Avengers that doesn't know I'm Spider-Man, sure, you can tell her. But Goldballs, <laughs> you almost feel like this kind of superiority from Mars. Like I'm a member of the Avengers, damn it. I don't want to be some former X-Man nobody's really heard of. <laughs> <laughs> but during the chase, Miles uses his camouflage mode. What did yes. you And for me, it's like the Venom sting. Like, I always forget about that until it happens. <laughs> and then when it does happen, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's my reaction. I'm always, I always feel kind of indifferent about it. I'm trying to figure out why. Uh, what, what was your take when he did that? I, I had not forgotten about it, but uh, I, it, it still always catches me by surprise, if that makes sense, because it is used so infrequently. But then again, if it was used more frequently, perhaps we'd have the same problem as we do with the uh, Venom Strike, Venom Sting thing, where it's just the, the be-all, end-all, ends every fight, it's his super duper finishing move kind of thing but it is something that i don't think has been fully explored yet um the same goes for the venom thing they're they're kind of the powers that separate him from the other spider characters you have a couple of other spider characters with unique powers and stuff like that and particular like specific spider senses in the case of some of the spider women that we've been talking about recently on the show Mm -hmm. but these are so unique to Miles, that it's interesting that we haven't really explored it that much, and he doesn't think of it as much of a big deal. He just seems to just be like, "Oh yeah, Venom Sting. Oh yeah, I've got camouflage, whatever." Like, can he do that outside of the costume? He he did. He, I mean, that's how he discovered pre- it. He, yeah, he did in the previous series, didn't he? But he hasn't in. But wouldn't you use that more? If like, if say, if you had the power of invisibility, it's the classic. Like, would you want to fly or would you want to be invisible? Right. And loads of people say, "Oh, I'd want to be invisible." But you do also want to be super strong, be able to swing from webs, <laughs> also sting people and knock them unconscious. Like he is incredibly powerful, and nobody really talks about it. <laughs> He's like two, like almost half of the Fantastic Four in one guy. Yeah, and and I don't know. Maybe that's it. Like if you if he does use it outside of his costume for whatever reason and or maybe there's some limitation on it i i don't know it's because the way it's used now visually it's always cool i i enjoy it but it just in the set for the sake of the story it seems to add like a beat or two it saves him a moment and then it's done so it's almost just like well we can get a couple panels out of it and it's it's almost like a an easy an easy out kind of like the venom sting like Ah, this missile's coming out right at, or right at me. Boom, invisible. Hooray! And now, back to the story. What we were talking about before with the Venom Sting, if it had a consequence, so say he, if he stays in camera mode for too long, he gets bad headaches, or it affects his eyesight, or something like that. He doesn't feel quite right in himself if he stays in it for more than, like, ten minutes, for example. He can't so he can use camera mode he if sneak. he's wearing the color orange. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If he's wearing any like neon pants or anything like that, then they'll right. just shine on through. I don't know why I've transformed him into like a raver from the early nineties. He's a he's a bit too young for neon, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, like with the venom sting, maybe if he could only do it 
in a particular time period because it needs to recharge or it makes him tired. And if he's really fighting a really difficult villain, he uses a camera mode and then he uses the venom sting and he is just absolutely exhausted. And it adds a kind of facet to his battles because he so far has so easily won basically every fight he's been in recently that adding that kind of extra facet to something and making him struggle like kind of like Peter Parker, the the Spider-Man who shall not be named, even though I keep naming him, um, kind of like he, he struggled with his powers early on and, you know, he transformed into a giant mutant spider and kind of had to deal with a lot of stuff. It feels like Miles hasn't had that much problems with the superhero side of his life. It's more the personal side of his life that's the problem at the moment. The issues with race and with with dealing with Genki and dealing with his family and things like that, he's actually like, yeah, Spider-Man's pretty easy. That's the the easier part of my day is just hanging out and swinging around and being super powerful. Well, that's it. I mean, this issue ends with him getting cornered by two missiles, um, which leads to uh, there's one really cool panel where he's like swinging around a water tower and Mm -hmm. there's this streak of color behind him, which I've never seen before. That was a really great visual choice to kind of convey that sense of motion and that explosion is gorgeous it's it's fantastic and then uh it led to this interesting panel design um where she split a panel of him falling and bouncing off of a school bus Mm. um usually i find that uh annoying and i can think of one case in point uh when we were going through ultimate end I don't even remember what issue it was, but it was one where the Hulks were fighting each other. And for those of you listening, I will put this panel um, on the show notes page for this episode at ultimatespinpodcast.com. There's three panels of the Hulk. They're uh, horizontal bars. And for whatever reason, they split each uh, panel uh, into like four separate panels that didn't match uh, the motion. So it just like, we just took three pictures and cut them up to kind of cheat and give you 12 panels for the, you know, even mm. though we really did three and it's, and the, the flow, there was no flow. It just, it didn't make any sense. It looked like you were looking through a window pane. Um, so when I saw, Oh, she split the panel here, but what she did was within that panel, she actually drew three different Spider-Men in different stages of the fall. And so there is that kind of flow. Like you can trace the arc of him, bouncing off the thing and landing on his face um, where his costume is torn again, by the way. Yep. I noticed that as well. Yeah. Sure. So um, that was, that was a really great bit of, yeah, that, uh, that kind of, face. Yeah. that kind of motion, um, keeping the, the same character multiple times, essentially in the same panel is used quite a lot in um, the more like agile heroes like Spider-Man. Um, my personal favorite character is Nightwing or Dick Grayson from the DC universe. Um, and he is very acrobatic, like much of the the spider characters. He does a lot of backflips, a lot of jumping around and he's a gymnast and an acrobat and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of the times the artists will do, I don't know the actual term for it, but almost like a shadow of him, like almost like a, an echo of him as he cartwheels across a panel. So you'll have him, sort of a quarter of the way up, halfway up, three quarters of the way, and then completing the flip or something like that. And they're all kind of faded in the background. Almost like when Miles uses his camo, it's that kind of faded out, just barely there, maybe just an outline and a little touch of color kind of outline. And I'm glad that Sarah didn't do that because that always bugs me. (laughs) 
we can get a sense of motion from a still image. We've been doing that for literally decades in comics. It's fine. You don't have to show us exactly how perfectly they do a cartwheel or a flip or whatever. And in this case, it's an incredibly ungraceful move from Miles where he just goes kaplunk. Face onto a... right. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Um, and I like that she separated it into what is essentially one shot. So if you were viewing it as a person, you would see it all happen in one. But the, the panel dividers helped break it up a little bit for me. Um, I do find it strange that the kind of phrase like the the shock wave from when he hits the top of the bus is also in the second panel. I thought that was a weird choice. Um, but apart from that, I think it works really well, much better than it, it could have been done very badly. Is basically what I'm trying to say. And I think it was pulled off really well. I love that the whole black cat hammerhead thing is moving along. I mean, there's, there was a potential to drag that sort of B plot out, but I know that civil war two is coming up. So, which I don't know about you. I am not really mm. excited about Civil War too, but um, is, is anyone? Yeah, <laughs> does anyone care about event comics anymore? I mean, they clearly do because they sell, and that's why the companies keep doing them. But oh boy, yeah, m- monthly readers—they just uh, we, we we've been talking about this with the the Spider Women uh, crossover that we've been talking about recently a lot on the show, and so far it's been doing a pretty good job of not interrupting the momentum of the other books. So when the alpha issue came out, that's one thing, that's fine. It's a standalone thing. But when you get it crossing over into the main Silk, Spider-Woman, and Spider-Gwen series, it can really throw things off. We've had instances in the past where an event will just appear in the middle of a story arc just because the timing, for whatever reason, from the publishers or the editors or whatever, just got slightly wrong. So I'll be like, next week, we're going to find out when Miles faces Vulture or whatever, and then it's just like, nope, something completely different. Here's Captain America just chatting to him about Civil War for no reason. What happened to him, the big climactic battle of this arc? And I'm glad that we've got that kind of working well in Spider-Women. So I'm fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. I mean, Civil War 2 doesn't do this to Miles, hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, we saw the solicits came out for August. So issue seven um, was originally solicited with uh, Sarah on pencils, but it's changed. It's now an artist named Nico Leon, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's actually doing Spider-Women Omega. I don't know if that means she's going to be jumping ahead to work on sort of the main story, if the, the story's going to break uh, for Civil War. I I hope not. I really hope not. But Villain artists aren't uncommon, but I'm just very wary of what this whole thing can entail because Miles, his character, has suffered from that in the past. Gods of Marvel, please do not do this to us. Whoever out there, Brian Michael Bendis, Sarah Pacelli, Axel Alonso, anyone, please don't do this to us. <laughs> so on our show, we don't really play by the scoring system. We try to wrap up our reaction to the book in three words. Jack, what's your take on Spider-Man number four? I'm going to go for best lunch ever. <laughs> for me, I'll say tension, humor, heart. That's our take on uh, this issue. But we would love to hear from you. So let us know what you thought. You can drop us a line. Feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com. You can always find us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin or our Facebook page at Ultimate Spin Podcast. And as we wrap up, Jack, where can we find you on the interwebs? 
Uh, at JLW Chambers on Twitter is probably the best place to find me. I'm usually tweeting about either comics or music, my two loves in life, or, or possibly the Dungeons & Dragons games that I'm running um, at the moment. There's, there's regular discussion of very nerdy things on my Twitter. Um, that's basically my name on everything as well. If you are on Instagram, Facebook, everything like that, JLW Chambers is the place to go. I also host another comic book podcast I mentioned earlier on in the show. It is the Intercomics podcast. We are at Intercomics Pod on Twitter. Um, we have not got a show this week, but we will have a show next week. We're doing every other week. Um, and we will be talking about the recent sad news of Darwin Cook's passing um, on the show and kind of do a little bit of a tribute to that legendary creator on the show next week. As for me, you can find my reviews for Spider-Man and Spider-Gwen over at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And if you want to follow along with uh, Instagram and all that kind of stuff, you can find me over there at project37.net as links to all of that good stuff. Kyle is not with us this week uh, as we're recording this on the weekend of May 21st. He is getting ready to run an event called the Great Manchester Run. He is raising money for the British Heart Foundation. He's running in memory of his late grandmother. If you'd like to help, you can uh, check out his site over at justgiving.com slash Kyle, K-Y-L-E dash McPherson, M-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N. Uh, it's a great thing. Um, it'll be done by the time uh, this episode comes out, but we are thinking of him, wishing him all the best with the run. Also want to give a mention to Kevin Hartnell, who provided the theme music for our Miles episodes. We'll be back very soon, as in we're recording the day after this episode with more Spider Women coverage as we check in on the latest with Silk and Spider Woman. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. Catch you soon on the Ultimate Spin. Mm-hmm.